Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, February 3rd, 2017. I think the uh, body of Christ is beginning to lash out at some of these false prophets in very interesting ways. A couple of examples of it through the first hour today. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. And uh, we learned from Mike Bickle that 80% of all of it is fake. Yeah, that's kind of strange. We'll talk, you know, I turn it into kind of like a thing on my soundboard. Uh, see if uh, see if this makes any sense. This is Mike Bickle here. I get probably, uh, I don't know how many dreams or visions sent to me from because of the internet around the world, email, or even people from our city that aren't a part of IHOP and people part of IHOP. And most of them I don't pay attention to. I, I just think they're distraction. I think they're not real. I don't mean the people aren't real. Some of them are faking it. And there's a lot of people faking it. But even good people just have dumb stuff. It's just dumb. And I'd say probably 80% of what I hear, I throw it away. Does it move me at all? Does it bear witness to me? I still like the guy. I believe in his walk with God, but I don't believe what he says from God. Uh, 80% of it. So, you know, so we got it on, an, you know, somebody within the movement, you know, that uh, 80% of this is just not from God. So, of course, I'm kind of working with the idea that 100% of it, it isn't from God. I can trust the written word of God, 100% of all of the Bible. That is from God. And uh, I can trust that, but I'm pretty sure that uh, Mike Bickle, although he's confessing that you know 80% of this stuff isn't from God, um, you know, his numbers are still just a little too conservative. Yeah, you know, 100% of what we cover here isn't. So what we do here at Fighting for the Faith is we compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, that's unfortunately how that works. And over and again, we show that what's being um, pil- uh, pandered, uh, uh, let's see, uh, profiteered, um, 
put forward uh, by people. It, it, it isn't scripture. It's not what God would have you learn. It's it's just utter nonsense uh, designed to scratch itching ears and uh, basically fill the pockets of the people profiteering in these false prophecies. Uh, and that's what's going on. You have people teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. And the problem is when we're dealing with something as important as spiritual truth, when eternity is on the line, yeah, heaven or hell, these are not sa- you know, it's not safe to teach false doctrine. It's not safe to twist God's word. And it's not safe for somebody to sit under a false teacher who's not putting, pointing their eyes into the written word of God, but pointing their eyes at themselves, their so-called revelations, you know, things of that nature. Uh, it's just a dangerous, dangerous uh, situation that we're living in. And unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of these people who are uh, profiteering in the fake, all into the name of God, uh, who are going to have to explain all of this to Jesus because this is idolatry and to persist in this type of sin. And to sin against God in this way, yeah, th- this is some serious, serious stuff. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to, oh man, I'm just looking at this. Okay, I think <laughs> made a little bit of a decision. We're going to begin with a money-grubbing televangelist update. Uh, Mike Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Mike Murdoch has uh, really taken off on Periscope and Facebook Live and is like doing coaching sessions like almost daily, uh, uh, you know, using these uh, medium. And uh, so we're going to listen to a portion of February 2nd's uh, Internet telecast via Periscope Facebook Live titled Mike Murdoch, Stop All Investment in the Stupid. Mm-hmm. Stop All Investment in the Stupid. I would tend to agree. That's probably a wise thing to do. And uh, and then we're going to be doing a kind of, uh, you know, extended Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. Uh, and you're thinking, why do you call it that, Chris? Why do you call it the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate? Well, take the, each of the words, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information, yeah, and, and just put it down uh, on paper one word under the other. So start with prophetic, then go to holy, then go to orders. Just list out the words, and uh, you'll kind of figure out why we call it the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. And uh, we're going to begin with uh, Ryan Lestrange and his strange (laughs) so-called word of the Lord for Monday, Purifying atmospheres and spheres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do your spheres need purifying of their atmospheres? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And uh, then we're going to check in with the self-proclaimed prophetess, uh, Kay Nash, as uh, she explains to us what the word for February is. Yeah, the, the word is birds. Birds, yeah. <laughs> and we're just going to note the the arrogance and hubris of this young lady. And uh, so we'll note that uh, somewhere along the line, we will take a uh, break. Uh, Then we're going to uh, check in with um, the editor-in-chief of Charisma Magazine as uh, she explains to us uh, apostolic alignments. Uh, Yeah, so, um, yeah, and we're going to note that with both 
um, Jennifer LeClaire and with Mike Murdoch that both of them are using kind of the Periscope Facebook Live uh, thing. And both of them are now being trolled, and uh, which I think is actually kind of funny. Uh, being trolled by people who are pointing out that they are false prophets and false teachers, and uh, so we'll we'll note the trolling going on there, and uh, then we'll end with an NAR update as we uh, head over to Bethel Church and listen to Chris Valatin. Um, and I mean, I could not make heads or tails of this. The, <laughs> this was one of those so-called words. I mean, he claims that you know it was God, the Holy Spirit, who wanted him to uh you know to kind of pass this along that this was a word of the lord kind of thing and i just couldn't make sense of it it was one of those things kind of like what we heard from eric johnson where he said if you're only coming and you're not going then you need to start going and if you're only going and you're not actually coming then you need to start coming i mean it sounds profound right uh, but it doesn't mean anything. And so Chris Valentin in this power of possibility, this word he feels, oh, he was hearing from God. I mean, I, it just is nonsense and gobbledygook. And uh, so that will be hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to head to a Bethel Evangelical Free Church in Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent in the United Kingdom as we uh, check in with a uh, sermon, I mean, hot off the press, from Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley as he is taking a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. He's going to drill into verses 6 and 7, but the name of the sermon is A Good Minister. It's, and it looks like this is part one. I think he's going to take a couple of cracks at what it means to be a good minister. And I would just hold this up as a, as a model sermon in the sense. It's exegetical. It tells the truth without pulling punches. And um, it, it rightly it explains what the job of a pastor is in Christ's church. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground that we need to cover. And since we're going to begin with a money-grubbing televangelist update, let's do this. Don't want no loving. Don't want no kissing. Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money. Give me that almighty dollar for that lettuce, hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats. Let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. Elder Nero, wanna be a millionaire? Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition. That's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits. I'm a demon in addition. Give me shekels, give me pesos. Let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of oof and whistle for wearing it green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can and vehicle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. All right, so we're heading over to the YouTube channel of uh, Mike Murdoch. And Mike Murdoch is one of these money-grubbing televangelist types. And uh, he has discovered Periscope and in um, <laughs> Facebook Live, and is on there like all the time now. And these things end up being archived over on YouTube. So uh, here is a re- recent message 
you know, on <clears throat> that uh, God wants you to stop it, all investment in the stupid. I, yeah, that's not my way of putting it. That's his. Here's Mike Murdoch. Thank you, Crystal, for writing that. This school of wisdom is called Stop Investing in the Stupid. You are a walking collection of remarkable gifts, the gift of attention, attentiveness. Your time is an investment. Your energy is an investment. Your words are investments. Uh, apparently, I, I didn't realize this, uh, folks. I forgot to tell you. We have now climbed one of the highest mountains in the world. Yes, upon this mountain you will find Mike Murdoch's Wisdom Center. When you enter, please enter with your mouth closed and your head held somewhat low in, in reverence of the pearls of wisdom that you will hear from the master himself, Mike Murdoch. And, uh, and so there he is. I'd like to say he's in the lotus position, um, but he's not. He's got a black T-shirt on and kind of a rumpled red windbreaker. And I'm counting at least four, maybe five different lapel microphones all clipped to his windbreaker. And, um, and and they're all white, not even black, which is kind of weird. So they really stand out, but we're hearing pearls of wisdom. And so the wisdom that we are hearing, folks, and you need to take this to heart, is you need to stop all investment in the stupid. Jesus had a lot to say about the people with various talents. One, was this for me or I don't know if this is. So his uh, smartphone has a notification that just came up. Is it on? It's on. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's why the screen is actually lit up. Usually smartphones... When they're on, the screens are lit up. Miss uh, Preeti, are you there? Yes, Dr. Murdoch. Good. Good to hear your voice. All the way at India. Thank you, sir. As I shared with my sister Deborah yesterday, you cannot walk in the center of pleasure until you know the value of what's inside you. Right. Yes. You know, I've, I've been really racking my brain trying to figure out how, how I, I mean, as humble as I am, how I can walk in the center of pleasure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, here I am, I'm approaching 50 years old, not quite there yet. I'll be 49 in just a few months. As I, as I approach the age of 50, I just look back on my life and I realize, you know, I've never been able to experience the center of pleasure. What have I been doing wrong? Clearly, I've been investing in the stupid. 
It may be creativity. Yeah. It may be the gift of compassion that helps people. Right. Sensitivity. I've got none of that. But we are the creation of God. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, it kind of goes without saying. God is very, very aware of what he stored in us. What- right. What what exactly did he store in all of us? I'm not familiar with those biblical texts that talks about God's storage and how I'm apparently one of the receptacles of things that God is trying to store. Invested in us. Yeah. Remember the man with one talent, two talent, five talent. One man in the Bible had ten talents. Yeah, that's um, an actual measure of money. And God came back around to evaluate what they had done with their talents. Right. You do know that a talent is like, you know, 100 pounds, right, of like gold or silver or something like that. They're skills. No, a talent isn't a skill. <laughs> yeah, this this is where um, our English translations are a little unhelpful, you know. Uh <laughs> I think it would almost be better to not translate the word. The word in in Greek is talanton. And uh, I think it would probably be better if we just left that untranslated so that people would go, what's that? Oh, it's a measure of money. Yeah, it's not talking about skills. I'm sorry, you, you seem to be twisting that text. Our God assesses our reaction yeah. to his gifts in us. So... um when he assesses our reaction to his gifts in us, what assessment tool will he be using exactly? And how do I modify my life so that when God is assessing my reactions, my reactions are producing positive numbers on or you know results in the assessment apparatus that he's using to determine my reactions to things like that. I Do you know how he will be doing that? The progress yeah. of his gifts within us. Uh-huh. Skills. Yeah. You are a walking investment factory. Who knew? Now... <laughs> I I I I'm shocked to hear that. I did not know that I was a walking investment factory. I don't even know what that means. Um it's so profound. I'm probably going to need some time to meditate on this uh to f- figure out ex- exactly what it means to be an investment factory. Now what's funny and I, I we didn't catch this in this portion. Just a smidge earlier and uh you know I guess I cued it a little bit past it. There was somebody who was actually trolling Mike Murdoch and asking if he was a false teacher, uh, which I thought was funny, but I also saved that for the um, Jennifer LeClaire segment that will go up. You will hear her addressing somebody who's actually trolling her. All right, moving along, time for a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. So uh, let's do this. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. Hey. 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 
this. For a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, we're heading over to the YouTube channel of the self-professed prophetess, uh, Kay Nash, as she is now prepared to reveal to us the word of the Lord for February of 2017. And as we listen to her, I would note this, is that um, she's kind of talking in a bossy way. And what I mean is, hey, this is the word that God has given her to give to you, and you kind of need to be, you know, accepting of all of this. Yeah, it's kind of how that works. So, you know, if you're receiving this, you kind of by default, you're putting yourself under her prophetic mantle. The only way I can describe it. But uh, here's Kay Nash to reveal February's <clears throat> word from the Lord. Here we go. Kay Nash, and welcome back to another episode of Living Well. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the prophetic word that I'm feeling for the month of February in 2017. Alright, so let's jump right in. The word I'm hearing is birds. I know. Yeah, you're hearing the word birds. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not the most spiritual word, but that's what I heard. Now remember, you know, that... um... Mike Bickle, and and he's a guy on the inside of this movement that Kay Nash is a part of. 80%, 80%, according to Mike Bickle's statistics, these aren't even from God. So see if you can figure which part of this is actually from God at all. Well, one day Ryan and I were walking, Ryan's my husband, Yeah. Um, and we saw this woman, and she had all these white birds around her, yeah. and she was just feeding them, and there was probably 50 to 75 birds, and they were just coming at her in every direction, and more were flying in from the sky. And I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, if you feed them, they will come. Uh, huh. If you feed the birds... They will come. You know, um, when I lived in Indiana, we, we there were a lot of retention ponds in the uh, the suburb of uh, the north part of Indianapolis that I lived in, in Fishers. And um, there were a lot of, uh, you know, waterfowl. There would be swans and ducks and, and even Canadian geese. And um, I noted that if you were to do something like, you know, take, you know, some stale bread out to one of the retention ponds and begin feeding some of the waterfowl there that pretty soon you had a pretty big gaggle of waterfowl all desiring to partake of your stale bread. So if you feed them, they will come. So this is what the Lord told you. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. And he says the February corporate word. And I was like, okay, well, Upon further research and upon further prayer, the Lord led me to Matthew 15. And so I'm going to read you that right now. And hopefully you can kind of understand why I was feeling that. All right. So let's jump into Matthew 15. Now, a lot of you know this story. This is the story of when Jesus fed the 4,000. When he's feeding the 4,000, obviously he's literally feeding them. Okay. So he's caring about their physical needs. 
but also he's caring about their spiritual needs. Earlier in the chapter, in the beginning of Matthew 15, he's actually praying for all of the people who are sick. Um, in 15:30, it says, "Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them." And then he starts um, feeding the multitudes. Only five verses later, um, let's see where we're at here. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children, and he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came into the next region. Okay, so basically something that's going on here in just one chapter is that, and not even the whole chapter, the Bible is so, so much is going on in the Bible at all times, but... Two things I felt led to highlight is that he's feeding them spiritually and he's feeding them physically within the same day, within the same time frame. If you really want to go to the next level with your business, your ministry, your career, you have to feed the people that you are called to serve spiritually and physically. You can't just have a church that's all need-based. Oh, come here to get help for food. Come here to get help for money. Come here to get help for your you know, I don't know, just tangible needs, house needs, whatever. And you can't just have a ministry that's only spiritually based. Now, this is the part where I say, notice she's now switched into, you can't, you need, if you're a business owner and you're hearing this, you gotta, yeah, so now all of a sudden, it's like she's giving us orders. And uh, and these orders come from God. So, you, because, I mean, she just read out part of Matthew 15, you know, and said God told her, birds you know birds you know and so you know so you got to you got to you got to and it it's very subtle with her but not as subtle as i think she would think that uh, every time i've heard i've watched one of her videos where she's either preaching and yes she preaches um or she's teaching via video i mean she kind of gets into this little bossy little mode where you got to you got to you got to and immediately my question is since when do you start giving me orders in the spirit? You know, um, that's just weird stuff right there. Where you're praying for physical healing and manifestations and you're praying for the prophetic and release of anointings and all that stuff. You need both because here's the thing. We are spirits, but we are flesh. And if you really want to grow your flock in this season, you have to step into the reality that you need to feed the spirit of a person and the flesh of a person. So I really want to encourage you to do both. Uh, no, I don't take encouragement or orders from you, even in the name of God. Yeah, it, again, it, it just kind of grates on me. I, it's it's very subtle, um, but there is it. it you know, but it's not as subtle as you think. Uh, where she is, she's kind of the bossy little prophetess. You know, you gotta, you gotta, she's got a word from the Lord, so you gotta, you gotta. No, 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 no. I don't recognize your authority to tell me to do nothing, lady. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. 
But we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, pa- facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we'll be hearing from Ryan Lestrange, Jennifer LeClaire, and Chris Ballatin of uh, Bethel Church. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Christian Radio understand the importance of outreach ministries and what they can provide for the people they serve. We've recently discovered a small charity organization called Kenyan Christian Arts. This group has come together to craft and sell unique handmade Christian art locally and around the world to provide the funds necessary to feed, medicate, and educate orphan children in Kenya. Additionally, a portion of the proceeds from every purchase is donated to the FredEx International Foundation to help the poor and orphan children all over Western Kenya. 
please visit KenyanChristianArts.com and take a look at their selection of hand-carved soapstone goods. Their selection includes a variety of pieces such as crosses, vases, nativity sets, and even mugs. Remember, that's KenyanChristianArts.com. Thank you. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that 80% or more of all of these so-called prophecies, direct revelations, and manifestations of the Spirit are totally fake and bogus and false. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. You can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew... You get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly commitment. There are four ranks. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. Gunner is made after that at $24.95. Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us joining our crew. Helps us have a solid financial base from which we can operate, pay our bills, and, you know, Plan our next exploits and things like that. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're still under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, as we check in with Ryan Lestrange and his Monday word, purifying atmospheres and spheres. Lots of spheres going on in this Monday word. Uh, Here's Ryan Lestrange. Hi there, it's Ryan Lestrange with the Monday word. And my Monday word is purifying the atmospheres and spheres. This is something the Lord... Say that 10 times fast. I don't think you can do it. Purifying the spheres has really been dealing with me about in this time of acceleration for our lives, this time of prophetic fulfillment and advance, the space around us, the atmosphere around us, the sphere surrounding us matters. And I believe... Is he talking about personal space? Because this, this 
the, the sphere atmosphere spheres around me. That's just really complicated. You know. <laughs> ah. So the, the my personal space, you know, like, like personal buffer zone thing. And I've noticed um, that uh, people from different parts of the world have different definitions of personal space. Have you ever noticed this? Um, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to meet some brothers and sisters from Nigeria, and um, their sense of personal space is not the American sense. Now, I'm I'm not making this up. I mean, they kind of like break all of the American cultural rules regarding personal space. And get like uncomfortably close when they talk to you, and it takes a little getting used to. So, is that what you're talking about? The purifying atmospheres and spheres that it's personal space is what you're talking about, and that's important. The Holy Spirit told you this was important. That we need to pay special attention to purifying those atmospheres, those spheres. <laughs> oh man. You know, it, it, this just feels like chores, okay? You know, I mean, so now I've got to, the Holy Spirit wants me to, like, add another chore to my already busy schedule. I need to be purifying my atmospheric fear, personal space thingy. All right, wh- how do I go about purifying this thing? You know, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1 as Holy Spirit was hovering on the face of the deep. There was an atmosphere of glory out of which came divine order, divine creation. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just not seeing it. You know, when I read Genesis 1 in Hebrew, I mean, I'm not seeing this atmosphere of glory thing that you're talking about. Atmospheres produce tangible results. Atmosphere. I don't even know what that means. Okay, so I'm looking for atmospheric things because atmospheres produce tangible results. Yeah, I don't think so. Atmospheres unlock spiritual principles, presences, and breakthroughs. Uh huh. So atmospheres unlock presences and breakthroughs and thingies. Do you have a biblical text that says that? Because I'm 100% certain, actually, like more like 102, maybe 110% certain that Genesis 1 doesn't talk about anything like that. Your life can be changed by shifting the atmosphere around you. You're- right, so, so, so we're talking about life change through atmospheric shifting. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, wow. Um, don't know what that means. Kind of like that sentence, blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. Um, yeah, it's got a noun, got a verb, and but, you know, so can you explain to me how a principle is released through an atmospheric shifting so that I can experience transformation? This is like a, just a litany of words. It sounds so spiritual. And it's even got that buzzword that, that the charismatics keep throwing around, the shifting thing. Lots of shiftings going on. But again, how do I go about purifying and shifting atmospheres? So that I can get tangible transformational results. Life can be changed by shifting the sphere. Many, many times in dealing with people concerning deliverance, yeah. we've done spiritual house cleaning, cleaning out that atmosphere. The sounds, the sights, the, the, the objects, the things in the home, all of it matters. And I believe that this year, you can't control everything going on around you. Right. You can't control the atmosphere down the street next door. You can't control the sphere of influence somebody else has on social media but if yeah i think you're equivocating on the definition of sphere here 
for allowing things to come into your sphere. That that place God's Yeah, unfortunately, I've allowed you to come into my sphere, Ryan, and I'm yeah, 157% certain you're not even talking lucidly, let alone speaking a word from the Lord. So there you go. Uh, sorry we didn't get this out to you sooner. You know, we were a little busy this week. So we're a little delayed on getting out the Monday word, but uh, there you go. Now, uh, since we're going to be doing a, uh, a Jennifer LeClaire update, we're still technically under the prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange, but let, let's just kind of renew this, uh, this umbrella by doing this. So I was having this wedding and... and- we had, we, well, we didn't have, we Shaba. Shaba, mm, Shanda. Yeah, 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 Shaba. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, <clears throat> Heidi Baker and one of our favorite bits of update music. Shaba is the name of it. And uh, we heard from Mike Bickle that when somebody goes, whoa, or Shaba or something like that, he said that's not even a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He said that's just fun. Yeah, and listen to yesterday's episode of Fighting for the Faith. So we're heading over to the Walking in the Spirit uh, podcast uh, put on by Jennifer LeClaire, the uh, editor-in-chief of Charisma Magazine. And uh, the topic is True versus Toxic Apostolic Alignments. And uh, we're going to note the fact that She's getting trolled. Uh, she did this on, uh, you know, like you know, probably Facebook Live. I don't think she uses um, Periscope anymore. But we'll note that she, she's being trolled. And uh, she has some uh, some choice words, if you would, for discernment folk like myself. Yeah, apparently I'm demon-possessed. But uh, here is, is Jennifer LeClaire to explain this important prophetic Insight on true versus toxic apostolic alignments. All of the theology not coming from the Bible, but actually from a cockroach infestation that she had in her home. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Here we go. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here with you, author of the book Jezebel's Puppets, brand new book releasing the angels of abundant harvest. Written lots of books, but I want to talk to you tonight about toxic alignments. Yeah. Healthy versus toxic apostolic alignments. Again, Jennifer. Yeah, how are you using that word apostolic? What does that word mean in that sentence? I'm I'm a little curious. Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm an author, senior editor of Charisma Magazine, senior leader of the Awakening House of Prayer. I wear many hats, do many things in the kingdom. I like to think of myself as fruitful, and you can be too. If you're aligned rightly, and if you're... So she's uh, she's fruity. Got it. Yeah. You're doing what God's called you to do. You know, you could be doing your best, your level best to do what God has called you to do. But if you're aligned with the wrong people, mm-hmm. it can hinder you. If- mm. So you can be doing your your best to achieve your dream density. And, uh, well, you know, if you're wrongly aligned, if things aren't, you know, I mean, you feel like you're just really trying hard to achieve the dream density thingy and it's not working out. Before I would 
check my apostolic alignments, which is, I think, probably important somehow, but it's not taught in the Bible, but I'm sure it's important. The I always do some kind of a ritual to purify my amphetheric fears. Yeah, that's important. If you're aligned with people who are trying to control you, yeah. trying to bring you down, yeah. trying to uh, just keep you bound up, mm. you're not going to step into the fullness of your calling. You know, I, yeah, that sounds terrible. I don't know what any of it means, but okay. I, I want to tell a, a brief story, and then I want to get into some points here. Yeah, the brief story will actually be the place from which she draws her theology for today's important prophetic message. Uh, just quickly tonight about healthy versus toxic apostolic alignments. You know, I live in a condo here in Hallandale Beach. It's a beautiful place to live, wonderful place to, to be. Uh, you know, I, suddenly though, I began to have a cockroach infestation in my house. I would call the management office. I would call the pest control people. I would call and get and get the, the bug bombs. I did everything that I could. My house was perfectly clean, nothing going on, no reason for it. So you were using bug bombs to purify your atmospheric fear. Got it. Okay. No matter what the, elect the uh, exterminators did, no matter what kind of bug bombs I laid off, Nothing ever changed. There was bugs coming through the walls. There was bugs in my printer. There was bugs everywhere. I was mad. I was disgusted. Yeah. Could you imagine printing on a cockroach? We don't get a lot of those up here in North Dakota. I'm, you know, just saying. It's a little chilly for them, you know. That's the fruit of a toxic alignment. What oh, cockroaches are the fruit of a toxic alignment. I had no idea. What happened was eventually they went upstairs and they found out that the guy above me, the condo above me, was infested with roaches. And they told me because you are aligned with his condo, because you are in the same line, because you are connected to his condo, you're getting the infestation from his unit. In other words, my house was clean, my house was swept, my house was bombed, my house was sprayed. But because I was connected to this condo that was infested, the bugs were literally crawling through the walls into my house. And uh, sounds awful. It's terrible. Now, see, this little cockroach infestation story becomes the uh, <clears throat> impetus for the theology of this Update, yeah. And that's how it is when you have a wrong alignment. You're getting bad warfare. You know, whoever you're aligned with. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting bad warfare, oh, man, there's nothing worse than bad warfare. <sighs> yeah, I hate when that happens. You're going to get warfare from that person. Uh, in other words, if I'm aligned with you and you're going to war, guess what? I'm going to war with you. If I'm aligned with you and you're being blessed, guess what? I'm getting the overflow of your blessing. If I'm Right, yeah, so... Clearly, because your 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 condo is aligned with the cockroach fellow. If a billionaire lived in in your condo in that person's space, all of his money would be coming flowing through the walls right into your bank account. I'm aligned with you, and you're in sin. Guess what? That's hindering me. Not as if I was committing the sin myself, but it's having an impact on me. So let me talk. Yeah. Do you have an actual biblical text that teaches this doctrine? Because so far, I'm pretty convinced that this theology is only coming from your cockroach experience. You know, you don't draw Christian doctrines and theology from cockroach experiences. I'm just saying, as traumatizing as they are, you still don't want to get your Christian doctrine and theology from them, you know? Talk to you about healthy versus toxic 
apostolic alignments. Okay. Number one, number one. All right. No, I'm not a false prophet. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) So somebody was trolling her. She was doing this. Asked her if she was a false prophet. Watch where she goes with this. <laughs> Found a lot of false prophets on Facebook, and we'll have to go. Um, we'll have to go find out later uh, what your problem is. But we'll deal with that. If you need your devil cast out, we'll cast your devil out. Come to Awakening House of Prayer, where we love to cast out devils out of heresy hunters. Praise God. Now- <laughs> right. So apparently, if you're a heresy hunter, you know you're demonically possessed, and you have to have the devil cast out of you. Uh, yeah, that's weird because, you know, Scripture tells us that the Bereans, yeah, those Bereans who actually tested the Apostle Paul's message to see if what he was saying was true, that they were of a more noble character than the Thessalonians because they didn't even do that. Yeah, so apparently if you, uh, you know, actually test somebody who claims to be speaking prophetically, uh, you become a heresy hunter and you're demonically possessed in need of an exorcism. You know, I have yet to uh, actually have my head spin around and for me to engage in projectile vomiting, but okay. Now, number one, wrong alignments, wrong alignments hold you back. Right, yeah. They, they you know, just, you know, because cockroach infestation, that's the reason why we know this. Okay. A wrong alignment wants to squash you, wants to keep you under control. Wrong alignments hold you down. Wrong alignments want to tell you why you can't do something, what you can't do. You're doing it the wrong way, always critical, always judgmental. They don't want to see you rise up. They want to hold you down. Right, yeah, that sounds like terrible alignment. I mean, who would want to be aligned with somebody like that? So wrong alignments, toxic alignments, they hold you back and they hold you down. They distract you from your dream. I'm doing a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those, those wrong alignments will distract you from your dream. Yeah. Yeah, you got to protect that dream, man. So make sure you, you know, that you don't get wrongly aligned because cockroach infestation, not because Bible says, it's because cockroach infestation. That's the reason. Series right now at the Awakening House of Prayer called Dream Wild. You can go to dreamwild.org and learn more about Dream wild, yeah. I, I'm beginning to believe that if you align yourself with Jennifer LeClaire, that would probably be a toxic apostolic alignment. And, um, yeah, it, it, it'll keep you, f- you know, probably from eternal life with Christ in the new earth. I'm just saying. Learn more about that. And, and we're, we're learning to dream. We're learning to take the limits off God. We're learning to just dream. Really, God has limits. You can put limits on God? Serious? <laughs> wow. You, you guys are pretty powerful down there in South Florida. I... I I here I thought that you know the Bible revealed that God was you know omnipotent and stuff like that, and apparently I could put limits on him. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Dream exponential dreams. Dream, dreams limitless. God, are, are right. Are your dreams exponential and limitless? You know that's an important thing because you know because cockroaches. Our God is limitless. But people who you're aligned with who are toxic and controlling, they don't want you to dream wild. They want you to dream their dreams. They want you to empower their dreams. They want you to work their dreams. They don't want to release you to do anything that you're called to do because that's a threat. It's all about building their kingdom, not the kingdom of God. That's not apostolic. It's Yeah, but can I kind of point something out here? You said that it was important for me to fulfill my dream, not their dreams. So if their dreams are contrary to, you know, actually building the kingdom of God, which is what you just said, then wouldn't 
it also follow that if I am busy building my dreams, that I also am not busy building the kingdom of God? And yet you want me to focus in on alignments that will help me dream my dreams, not their dreams. But by definition, the way you're defining dreams here, both of them would actually be contrary to the kingdom of God. So this is not even an internally consistent doctrine that you're drawing from your cockroach infestation. (sighs) Yeah, so (sighs) we'll call this La Cucaracha uh, doctrine. La Cucaracha doctrine. Yeah, that's right. When you you build your doctrine from La Cucaracha, yeah, it's going to (laughs) be basically, yeah. Yeah, an investment in the stupid. I think that's a good way of putting it. Now, moving along. Chief Lane, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky. They're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're Pinky and the Brain, yes, Pinky and the Brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overflow the earth. They're Pinky. They're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. All right, so we're heading over to Bethel Church, which is becoming like a a, a mill, you know, some kind of a mill where they crank out just completely meaningless sentences and words. Remember, Eric Johnson, in the sermon that we reviewed, gave us this pithy quote. If you're only coming and you're not going, then you need to start going. And if you're only going and not actually coming, then you need to start coming. Direct quote from Eric Johnson, and what we're going to hear from Chris Vallotton, also of Bethel Church there in Redding, California, New Apostolic Reformation Church, where the Apostle Bill Johnson is the head honcho in charge. Talk about an apostolic alignment that will keep you from the kingdom of God. Um, so we're going to hear him talk about the power of possibility, and I cannot make sense of this, but oh, they put this up at the Bethel.tv um, <laughs> YouTube channel because they wanted the whole world, the body of Christ, to hear these pearls of wisdom. <laughs> Here we go. Talk about the po- power of possibility, and if you'll turn to Luke chapter uh, 8, I just... Um, actually, a lot of this I've shared in different, uh, at different times, but uh, I was thinking about it. I mean, I woke up this morning actually thinking about the power of possibility. In fact, um, I'll probably just quote it later. Um, but this phrase was running through my mind this morning when I woke up, probably an hour after I woke up. Not, I wasn't preparing for a message or anything. I was just walking through the front room, getting, uh, getting ready for work this morning. And I heard, before you think you can... You have to think you should. In other words, before you think you should change, before you think you can change the world, you must think you should change the world. If you think you're not supposed to be, if you're not, if you think you're not supposed to be relevant to the world, you won't wonder if you can be. Can I read it again? Sure. 
I don't think that'll help. If, yeah, I just ran in and got my phone and I wrote it down this morning. Before you think you can, like you can do something, or God can do something, or it can happen. You Are you with me? Before you think you can, you have to think you should. In other words, before you think you can change the world, as an example, you must think you should change the world. If you think... Uh-huh. Could you whiteboard this out for us? You're not supposed to be relevant to the world. You won't wonder if you can be. I think this is a... Uh, it's really important for us. You know, I, I've been, I've had. This is in. You think this is important? So apparently, this was some kind of direct download. You wrote this down using your smartphone's notes app, and you're sharing this as if it's some kind of a word from God. Passion. A lot of us on the, on our team. Most of us on our team have this passion to really make an impact on believers, but also on cities and on nations. And I believe it's on the Lord's heart. But there, I think there's a reason, I think there are many reasons, but one of the reasons that I think that believers haven't had the impact, we haven't had the impact that we could, or not, in my opinion, should have on the world, is because we often don't think we're supposed to. <laughs> in other words... We've read verses like, come out and be separate, and thought that meant dark, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be in dark places. <laughs> so this is some kind of a weird, pithy thought that everyone's supposed to be going, whoa! And even the people there at Bethel are kind of going, um, okay. And... So he's searching for a way to get the light bulb to go on so the people will there will go, oh, 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 that's just so deep. <laughs> yeah, listen, the job of a pastor, according to scripture, is get this, preach the word. And that does not mean some word that you think was impressed on your heart that you quickly jotted down in your cell phone's app, you know, notes app. Uh, this is... Oh, man. And I think that the only reason dark places stay dark is because we're not there. <laughs> and so... <laughs> this is so different than, you know, you know, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching all that I've commanded, you know, something like that. I'm getting at is that bef- before you can actually find the full possibility of your impact and God's impact in your life, you have to... <laughs> Before I can find the full possibility of my impact. What's that? Ask yourself, is it okay to do that? Is it okay? I don't even know what the sentence means. How am I supposed to ask God? God, is it okay if I do the full potentiality of the impact thingy that Chris Valentin took down in his notes app on his cell phone? To be a politician? Is it okay to be a business person? Is it okay to be an actor or an actress? Like, if I, if I. There's a whole lot of people who are Christians who are politicians, actors, actresses, firemen, police officers, and stuff like that. I mean, you make it sound like there's a bunch of Christians sitting in some kind of career limbo. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 
I, I really wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh, but I don't know if I need to ask if I should or could or or what because of the potential thingy. What is this? I don't think it's okay. If I don't think I should, I'm not going to ask if I can. <laughs> is there a place where there's a bunch of Christians just sitting there totally like stressed out without any idea what to do today because they don't know if they can or can't? If I don't think God wants to heal me, then I'm not going to ask God if he can heal me because I've already answered the first question as no, and therefore I don't... How many people think that God can't heal them that are Christians? Reach my full possibility. Does it, am I making any sense? No! You're not making any sense at all, and this is a highlight from your sermon posted on your YouTube? Good night! I mean, Jennifer LeClaire's cockroach theology made more sense. So this morning I was just thinking about, I just woke up to that phrase. I, and, you know, for me, I often, like, people will often say, well, how do you know? I, like, most, one of the most asked questions when we're teaching the prophetic, how do you know what's you and how do you know what's the Lord? Okay, this is not the Lord. Let's just go with that. Because remember, Mike Bickle said, like, at least 80% of all this, totally fake, this is not from God. I, I have lots of answers to that question. I you know, obviously wrote a couple of books on it. And we teach on it often, and, and I don't know that there's just one right answer. Are we, you sure this was from God? One of the ways I know the Lord's talking to me is when he talks to me about a subject I am not thinking about at all, and I'm not in revelation mode. Everyone know what I mean by revelation mode? I think. What's revelation mode? Where's that taught in Scripture? talked about this morning about... Asking God for asking God a question and hardly ever gets the answer when he asks. Like you're just walking for me. Like I will often be in my wood shop working on a project that doesn't take a lot of brain activity and all of a sudden start getting all these ideas. And like for me, so you know it's from God if you're busy doing something brainless. I don't think the Bible teaches that. Very often, the Lord's speaking to me when I'm not expecting it about a subject maybe I haven't even asked about or asked about months before. Have you ever asked the Lord? So you know that this nonsensical thing that you were saying, that you took down on your cell phone's notes app, it had to be from God because it came to you when you weren't expecting or looking for it. It doesn't make any lucid sense in the applications you're drawing from it. I mean, I just don't see a bunch of Christians wandering around going, would it be okay if I decided to be a waitress? I, I'm a, a little concerned. I, I don't know if I can or if I should, you know. Um, uh, but then again, what if I wanted to be a dental assistant? Or, oh, I, 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 I better go down to my mother's basement and, and uh, not do anything because I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> I mean, and Bethel Church, which is known for them sitting there on the edge of their seats when pearls of meaningless nonsense come flying out of the mouth of Bill Johnson and Eric Johnson, and they go, whoa, and woo, and all that kind of, they are, they literally are, they look puzzled, and so does Chris Valentin, and the, 
This was their choice for a highlight from his sermon. What has happened to people who call themselves Christians? (laughs) Call me old-fashioned, but maybe, maybe just maybe what we need to do, get this, is open up the Word of God and actually preach it and teach it the way it was supposed to be understood. You know, rightly dividing it, law and gospel, pointing to Christ and Him crucified for our sins. Yeah, sounds revolutionary. I don't know if it can be done, Pastor Roseboro. Are you sure we should do this? Yes, yes, I'm 100% sure because the Bible says to do this. <laughs> We've traded gold, literal, eternal gold, for a mess of rancid, cockroach-infested beans. Good night. <laughs> All right, we're up on our second break. We're going to come back and we're going to listen to a good sermon, or I am going to lose my mind from Pastor Jervais. Nicholas Edward Charmley. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich! And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. 
is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. All right, we're back. Gonna end the week off with a good sermon. These are tough to find nowadays. But this is what it sounds like to rightly handle a biblical text and to teach the word. Remember, we're supposed to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Yeah, that truth part's kind of important. But let's do this right. They got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Bethel Evangelical Free Church, Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent. Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley presiding. The name of the sermon we will be listening to is titled A Good Minister. I think this is part one. And it's going to be based on 1 Timothy chapter 4. He's going to drill into verses 6 through 7. And I think this is a timely sermon. Considering that there is so much gobbledygook and utter nonsense being fed to Christ's sheep, which isn't a meal it's just toxic poison nonsense, empty words. But Pastor Charmley's sermon is the exact opposite. These are not empty words. This is an exegetical preaching of the word of truth. And the words he's going to give us are timely words from God himself that I would recommend that you heed and pay attention to. So with that, let me back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley. A good minister. Our scripture reading this afternoon is found in Paul's first epistle to Timothy, chapter 4. 1 Timothy, chapter 4. This is a, a letter that has been written to Timothy, who is a relatively young minister in the church at Ephesus, instructing him on how to behave himself, how to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So Paul expresses it in chapter 3 and verse 15. And having dealt with worship in the church, with teaching in the church and ministry in the church, he now speaks of how to deal with error. In the church. So, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, 
speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be, re- to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labour and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Saviour of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. May God bless the reading of his word. Now we have come in this epistle to The sixth verse of this chapter, Paul has been speaking, first of all, of the warning that the Holy Spirit has given that there would be some in the latter times who would depart from the faith, and that these would be thinking in terms, giving heed to deceiving spirits, so that false teaching comes ultimately from the realm of the evil one, from spiritual evil forces. And so how then is the church, how then is the minister, Timothy, to counteract this? How is he to deal with this problem? Well, as the good shepherd, his, and the under-shepherd of the good shepherd, he is to feed the flock He is to feed them with the word of life that Christ has given. And the the first, the primary response to the existence of false teaching is true teaching. It is to, rather than spend all the time, because there's so many errors in the world, there's so many false teachings, so many groups who teach that which is untrue. And how do we deal with them? Well, we can't, nobody can know all the errors, instead of which we immerse ourselves in the truth, in the truth. And so the two great 
things he speaks about here are first of all doctrine and secondly life. There was, uh, still is, a so-called liberal Christianity. This idea that Christianity is, the expression was, a life, not a doctrine. No, it is a There is a life that is built upon the doctrine. The teaching comes first. How do we know what it means to live a Christian life? Because of the teaching. And the teaching comes first. You cannot have Christianity without Christian teaching. That's one of the reasons for the the massive crash in Christian morality in our culture. Because... Even before the massive moral decline over the last 30, 40 years, the churches, many of the churches, far too many, were not teaching Christian truth. And you can't have Christian morality, Christian life, without Christian doctrine. We see that in churches where... Christian doctrine of the Bible isn't taught that people are all over the place in their understanding of morality. So the doctrine has to come first. And what is that doctrine? Well, it is the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is, first of all, he is spoken of in verse 4, God as the creator and giver of all that is good. Here were the false teachers and they were teaching some sort of matter-spirit dualism. They were saying effectively that anything to do with the material is bad and anything to do with the spiritual is good. So they were teaching that marriage was bad and there there have over the centuries been many people who have said, well, marriage is in and of itself bad on the basis that it is through marriage that... If you have this view that some had that the, the body is a prison for the spirit, well, it is through marriage that more spirits are put in prison. That was the idea that some of the Gnostics taught. Because you know, the created order, they thought, was bad. No, the Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is a fundamental point of the Christian confession that... God is the creator of all things. And that there is nothing that was made that was not made by God. God has made everything. The visible and the invisible. And when he made it, he pronounced it very good. The creation, now the world is fallen through man's sin. But God is the creator and the giver of all that is good. And secondly, that Jesus Christ is the Saviour. Chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief, that Christ is the Saviour. And that he is the saviour, not simply by teaching us, but that he is the saviour by giving himself an offering and a sacrifice, by giving himself up on the cross. In this is love. 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So again, the Bible tells us, absolutely central, man's problem is sin. Man's problem isn't ignorance. Man's problem isn't the, the fact that man has a body. Man's problem is sin. And sin, what is sin? Sin is lawlessness, the Apostle John says. And again, we see in David's confession, in the Psalms, against you and you only have I sinned. That sin is not primarily to be thought of as the things we do against other people. Although sin does include the things we do against other people. But it's primarily our offences seen as offences against God. And all of these things are absolutely central. God as creator, man as not sinful by creation, but sinful by the fall. Christ as the redeemer. Christ as the one who is coming again in glory. It's these fundamental points of the faith that are to be taught. Instruct the brethren in these things, these fundamentals, and in fact all that the Bible says, but keeping the biblical balance and emphasis. Some people are so obsessed with the details of the second coming, that seems to be all they talk about. The Bible doesn't do that. Yes, it does talk about the second coming, the marvellous thing. That Christ is coming again in glory. But the millennium, big, you see people dividing each other with the question of the millennium. The millennium is in one chapter of the book of Revelation, in one small section of that. It's not fundamental, it's something that we as Christians <laughs> may, should be able to disagree over without falling out. These things, these basic things about God the creator, Christ the saviour, man the sinner. All of these, the incarnation that God was manifested in the flesh. This is the content of Christian doctrine. It's all in the Bible. It's all in the, in the Bible. If anyone comes with anything else, whatever it may be, then it is to be rejected. The Bible to the word of the testimony. If they do not speak according to these, it is because they have no light. So God tells us. And what is the word to us? The word is this. It is food. You see that expression, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. Now, what's being thought of here primarily, of course is because it's addressed, first of all, to Timothy, that the, the minister of the gospel, the good minister of Jesus Christ, is one who is in the word, is one whose first priority is the word of God, and who is feeding himself. It is a terrible thing when a minister of the gospel is like the, the prodigal in the parable who longed to fill his belly with the husks that the pigs ate. 
that he was feeding the pigs, but who was feeding him? But the good minister is feeding on the word of God, is one who is much in the word, is one who meditates upon the word, not for his own sake only, but for the sake of the, of the church, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And the minister's job, first of all, is to pro- proclaim the word, preach the word, Paul said to Timothy, in season and out of season, whether it is something that men are listening to or whether it is something that they are not listening to. So it is that he says this in Second Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And anyone who's done any open air preaching can testify that every so often someone will come up to you and say, well, there's nobody listening. To which the response is, and when they say that, they're wrong. I had that last week. I was out there in the marketplace, freezing cold on Thursday. And someone comes up, and I appreciate the concern. It's freezing out here, nobody's listening. I appreciate the concern there, because it was that this man is just like he's freezing to death. But uh, my response was no. People are listening. Five minutes before, a Muslim fellow would come up and was reading the text on the front. Christ died once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. And I made sure that he was reading it out vocally. I could tell he was reading it. And in season, out of season, because there's always somebody listening. And we do not know, and the day, only the day itself will make known what ultimately has come of the word as it goes forth. But the word is first of all to go in before it goes out. And the, the first thing that the, the good minister is to do is to immerse himself in the word. There's a place, of course, for engaging the culture for looking around and saying well what are people what are the the issues on people's minds the good minister certainly should have some understanding of current affairs but that's not to be the first thing that's to be second the good minister should be thinking about how best to bring the word to the world but again the word comes before the world and it is food we feed upon it and it is good food writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Paul uses this imagery of (coughs) teaching as word and I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people But as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are not able. And there is Paul 
as the good minister himself, talking about how he, he had to, and it's always vital to speak what the people needed to hear. Now his aim always, of course, the aim when you're bringing up children is always that the child will eventually go on to solid food. But he says, because the Corinthian Christians couldn't take it, he didn't try to cram it down their mouths, he gave them milk. And by the milk, the milk allows us to grow. And because that is what good food does, not junk food. It's not like picking out of McDonald's or whatever, where you know that the food is, uh, it may taste nice, but it's not actually very good for you. And McDonald's tell them, them, tell you themselves, they say, you shouldn't be eating here every day, because if you are, then it will have a bad effect on your health. But the, the Bible is not spiritual junk food. That's what the false teachers are. False teaching sometimes can be very exciting. It sounds exciting. It's rather like, however, that candy floss you get at the fun fair. Big and fluffy, there's nothing to it. And it's also not very good for you. It's all sugar. It is food. And it is good food. And then it is Good news. Good news. Reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Reject profane and old wives' fables, he says. And the word translated fables here is the word from which we get our English word myths. Reject profane and old wives' myths. And the idea, obviously the expression old wise fables comes into English adventures, old wives tales. And it's, it means really the, the stories that old women tell little children. They're entertaining. They're diverting, but they're not ultimately profitable. They were stories that were told to make the children laugh sometimes to, to scare them at other times but they were not profitable nor were they true stories if we use a, a word that or a phrase that's very much current they were fake news that is what false teaching is it's fake news now you can buy these volumes of uh, what is called the apocryphal gospels, the Gnostic gospels. And the problem with the apocryphal gospels, the Gnostic gospels, is they're made up. That, and some of them are quite diverting. There's stories in which, well, those that actually have stories in them, some of them are quite sort of like adventure stories, but again, there's no substance to them. There's, no, there's nothing in them. They're made up. But on the other hand, the gospel, the true doctrine, is good news. This word myths, fables, comes up in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow, Peter says, cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. It's true news, it's real news, it's 
eyewitness news. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. It's good news and it's true news. Eyewitness accounts again. Luke, writing his gospel, he speaks in terms of how it was that he composed the gospel. Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. He goes on, there there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, he gives a date, a time in history. The Apostle John, in the first chapter of his Gospel, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We were there. We saw it. It's true news. And the history is absolutely foundational. Round about, well, over a third of the total content of the Bible is, in some way, history. The historical books and the historical accounts that are found in other books, such as the last three books of Moses, which are primarily law teaching, but set within framework of history and also the historical accounts found in the prophets such as in Isaiah in Jonah of course and in Jeremiah and what of Daniel the first half of Daniel is history the second half is prophetic pointing forward over a third of the Bible is history it's true news It's what happened. And it's this glorious fact that God has worked salvation within human history that is central to Christianity. And some people find this very offensive, very difficult to accept. Has God interested in history? Absolutely. That's what people sometimes find difficult to accept, that God works within history. Because they've been taught um, to quote what Henry Ford's reputed to have said, history is more or less bunk. They've been taught that history is, uh, doesn't really matter. Those who read the Da Vinci Code, it's always amazed me people citing the Da Vinci Code. It's complete fiction in every way. As if to say, and this demonstrates that that Christianity is not true. Now, it demonstrates that Dan Brown doesn't know what he's talking about, but people would cite this and say, well, 
Tells the Da Vinci Code history written by the winners. Well, no. Very often the loser has the time to sit down and write the history in a way that the winner didn't, because the loser hasn't got much else to do with his time. And in fact, you look at history, you find this claim that history is written by the winners is, is nonsense. History is written by whoever happens to want to sit down and write history. <coughs> history is not simply a matter of control and manipulation. Now, obviously, biblical history is history of the message. Every historian sits down and they want to communicate a message, a world view. And this is true news. This is meaningful news. And on the basis of all the history in the scriptures, history that shows how God has been working from the beginning and will be working all the way through to the end, on this is founded all the doctrines of the faith. It's been said the the Gospels give the history, the Epistles give the interpretation, which is broadly true, but of course the History comes with a lot of interpretation with it. I, I love to quote the words of B.F. Westcott, the great uh, 19th century, died in 1902, biblical expositor on John's Gospel. He says, Jesus nowhere in John's Gospel says explicitly that he is God. But everything he says and does, everything is designed. To make us see God in him. He doesn't just see what Jesus does. He doesn't just come along and say, well, I'm God. He shows us he's God. And then, having shown us he's God, what does, what is it that John chooses to bring right towards the end of his gospel? It's Thomas the Apostle, doubting Thomas, falls down before Jesus and cries out, my Lord and my God. Blessed are you, Jesus says, but because you have seen and believed, but more blessed are they who believe who have not seen. Thomas is commended because he confesses Jesus as Lord and God. Because it is not that Jesus comes along and says, as many a, a false prophet has said, well, I'm God. But he, goes, he comes along and shows us he's God. And leads us to confess that he is God. And then he says, well done. That is what we see in this glorious teaching. This good news. This doctrine. The words of faith. Because that's what it is. It's their words of faith. The Bible. <coughs> First of all. Are wor it's words of faith. Again to refer to. John's Gospel. John's Gospel and chapter 20. Verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs. John's word of course are miracles. In the presence of his disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you may have life in his name. 
The Bible contains words of faith, words that are written by believers, men who trusted God, put their faith in God. They are written, words that are written from faith, and words that are written to faith, and are received by faith. This is the the doctrine. They are words of faith. And it is good doctrine. Of course the word doctrine simply means teaching. And we know there's all sorts of bad teaching out there. After all that's what Paul's been speaking of in verse 1. Doctrines of demons. Teachings that come from demons. What a contrast between teachings that come from demons. Demonic doctrine. That are lies and hypocritical. And the good doctrine. And it's good because it's true. It's good because it's real. It's good also because it produces good. False teaching only ever produces evil in the end. It It produces an appearance of good. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. But what it produces in the end is evil. It may start out promoting allegedly morality, but it ends up subverting it completely. But this book, we have the good doctrine. And it is the work of the good minister to labour in the word, to be to feed himself first of all, but also, but then vitally to pass that on to others, so that he will be nourished and they too will be nourished. So, the good doctrine then is vital. And then, of course, Paul goes on, which we shall, God willing, look at next week, to speak about godliness, the life that flows from this good doctrine. May God give us ears to hear and write his word on our hearts that we might might know it to be what it truly is, our necessary food, day by day. Amen. Amen. See the difference? What'd you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Till next week, may God richly bless you and the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ is by Carrie's death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.